Good morning, St. Michael's. Please stand. Lord, we come before you today. We come into your house with thanksgiving and with praise. And we open our hands to receive what you have for us. In your name. Let your fire fall. 
forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
declare your almighty power, chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace, that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Children. Come, army assemble. <laughs> Excellent. You're going to have to not stand in front of me because you're so tall. No one will see me. <laughs> How awesome is that? Gentlemen, ladies, pray with me for these children as they go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would watch over these young children, that you would raise them up in the power and the knowledge of your word. And of you, Lord Jesus, pray you watch over and keep them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Good morning. Uh, This morning's first reading comes from the book of Amos, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion and trust in Mount Samaria, notable persons in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Go over to Kana and see, and from there go to Hamath, the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is it their territory greater than your territory? Woe to you who put far off the day of doom, who cause the seat of violence to come near, who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on your couches, eat lambs of the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who idly sing to the sound of stringed instruments, or invent for yourselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Therefore, They shall now go captive as the first of the captives, and those who recline at banquets shall be removed. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 146. Please read responsively at the asterisk. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not put your trust in princes. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food for the hungry. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Hallelujah. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning's second reading comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in loving God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, and willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal, or, uh, excuse me, eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks, thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. St. Luke, chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one of one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. I am glad you are here. I am glad to see you. I'm going to talk this morning about raising your Ebenezer, raise your Ebenezer, and it's all part and parcel, I think, of what God has been speaking to us over the the closing out of the summer. This is the first Sunday of fall, by the way, if you noticed, Um, (laughs) got a little chilly at night for the first time, and I don't know. But I was noticing over the summer as we were hearing the word being brought forth to us on Sunday, there's, there's like these certain things I want to put in order as, as things I've been noticing and sensing. And it was um, um, Eric, I think, who, who was first in this flow that I'm looking at. And, and he brought a word that said, you are saved for a reason and you are called to a purpose. And then he said, be sure. And I thought, not very poetic or explanatory. <laughs> and the be sure, it's like there is a certainty you need to have that causes you to act out of that certainty. The way you behave is based on the confident knowledge that you have that you are saved for a reason and called to a purpose. Be sure. 
And then Canon House brought a word saying, those things that ensnare you and trip you up have been broken. They've been cut away. Your chains are broken. The snare is broken. And you are free. And then Deacon Jesse brought this word about get out of Egypt, right? Get out of Egypt. Now, it's, it's easy. That's what I say, get out of Egypt. But it was, it's complex. And it's more than just a historical lesson. It's a historical lesson that teaches us something about, you know, we live in a world that even though God has broken those chains, wants to tangle us up again, tangle us up in the ideas of Egypt, false gods, Mistakes, terrible, not us, slavery. And we're called to be free. And we need to get out of Egypt. And it's complicated. And what I want to add to that is raise your Ebenezer, which, of course, I have to explain that. Uh, You may have heard me explain it before. There was a song that I heard a couple, several years ago, and it's an old hymn that had been popularized again. In the middle of it, they said, raise your Ebenezer. And my first thought is, what is my Ebenezer? <laughs> I don't know what that is. So how can I raise it? And and so Deacon Johnson was there, and he explained that it's um, it's like a banner or a rock. Literally, it means a rock of saving, or this is the rock of my salvation, a saving rock, and you raise it up as a pillar. And so that's what I want to talk about, how we do that. And it's like that's the next step, in, in my view, thinking about these things. But I want, to, I want to just briefly mention the readings that we just listened to, because there's a theme in them, uh, you know, several themes in them that's reaching out to us and telling us where to put your trust. Where do you put your trust? And it's like, well, here's a list of things not to trust. Don't trust your wealth, or your riches. Don't trust in some noble person. You have to put your trust in God. And you have to know that there will be a day when there will be a reckoning. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary in the readings because there is that, I think one of the Amos readings is it, was, it will be the day of doom. It's like, okay, don't like that. Don't like, thumbs down. Um, What do I do? It's like you have to know who you're going to trust. And I want to call out something here to make my point about this or to begin this story. And that is in the psalm. In the psalm, it starts out and says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And it says, Do not put your trust in princes nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs and returns to earth, and that very day his plans perish. And then it says this, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. Happy are those who have the God of Jacob as their help. So I read that and I thought, you know, I've I've heard this characterization. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, the God of Moses. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the most common one. But what are they talking about? Happy are those, or blessed are those, who have the God of Jacob as their help. Well, 
I know, because we've studied, we were just talking about Egypt and all those things. I know that when we look at Jacob, uh, we have some stories. I want to tell about those stories. And, and his, his son Joseph is a far more prominent. And having studied and been taught, it's like I understand that Joseph is a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ. What, you know, it's like there's a, an example like that. He is, uh, uh, has this, lives in riches with this robe. He's thrown in a pit. He's sold into slavery. He ends up in prison and then he, uh, becomes the prime minister of Egypt and saves the world during a famine, saves everyone. It's like that's a type of Christ. What I say in comparison to Jacob, is a type of me. <laughs> Fair, right? A type of me. Probably a type of you, too. Uh, he, was, uh, he was ordinary and a little sneaky. Uh, his name meant supplanter, uh, cheater, uh, manipulator guy. And so I want to... It sounds familiar. I shaved that guy. <laughs> I know who we're talking about. And I want to talk about certain important moments in his life, beginning with uh, when he is running away from his brother in fear of his life, and he has a vision, a vision of a ladder that goes from heaven to earth. And it's remarkable. And I'm hoping you know these stories, right? Why is he there and why is he running for his life? Well, because he has manipulated his brother out of his inheritance and out of his blessing. <laughs> he's a rat, and he's running away for his life because his brother has promised that as soon as his father has died, as soon as the days of mourning are over, he's going to kill him. And the thing is, if you know anything about these families, it's a legit promise. You can, you can, the guy's not making that up. They're, they're, they're rough, tough people. Uh, Esau is. And so he's running for his life. And it's, uh, I'm going to give you the readings here so you can see them. It's in Genesis 28. He's running for his life. And he goes out. He's, he's alone. He goes to sleep, puts his head on a rock, and he has a dream. And in Genesis 28:12 it said, And he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set up on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord was standing above it and said, I am the Lord your God, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give you and your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob has just received, not, he, he tricked his brother out of the, the inheritance. He tricked his dad out of the blessing. But how did he trick God out of the promise? I don't think he did. <laughs> God knew what he was doing. But that's the guy that God said 
at that moment, you're the one. First there was Abraham, and I gave him the promise for his descendants. And then there was Isaac, and I gave him the promise. And then there's you, and I'm giving you the promise. You're the one, the inheritor of the promise of God. Now, this is, this is amazing, right? That's why I don't mind being like Jacob, because it seems like a good promise to get, right? And that vision. He stood in a place, imagine this, where he saw a place where heaven and earth touched through this ladder. And as they touched, there were messengers, angels of God. They were bringing the word to him and the world. And messengers of God taking the prayers up into heaven. And over this place stood God, giving him the promise. Can you even imagine a place like that anywhere? <laughs> okay, it's not a subtle point I'm making. <laughs> but it's... It's it's iconic moment. It's telling us something. This is important. This is an important place. This is an important place where God is interacting with us. This is Jacob. This is the God of Jacob. How does Jacob respond? How awesome is this place? It is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob got up early in the morning and he took the stone on which he had placed his support for his head. He had a rock for a pillow. (laughs) Poor planning on his part. He took this rock and he set it up as a memorial stone. He set it up as an Ebenezer. He raised his Ebenezer. This place matters. He poured oil on its top. That's, a, that's an image of he's making a sacrifice. Oil is something you would rather keep. It's valuable and important, but he's pouring it out as an offering. It's a sacrifice he's making. And he called the place Bethel, which just means house of God. And he said, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and give me food to eat and garments to wear... And I return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a memorial stone will be God's house. And of everything that you give me, I will assuredly give you a tenth. He's he's not asking for much. Food, clothing, live in safety, and bring me back to my father's house. This has changed Jacob. This is something new. Uh, And he goes, and I want to talk about this because there's this arc of this story that's going on. If you'll bring me back to my house of safety, and if you keep me safe, then you'll be my God. And he goes and he, uh, he lives with his uncle Laban. And his uncle Laban is a lot like Jacob. And he's always trying to get one over on Jacob. But God keeps blessing him and blessing him and blessing him until such time as um, Jacob knows he has to go. And he sneaks away. He sneaks away in the night, takes all of his family, all of his flocks, all of his people, and they run away. 
And Laban is not happy, and he's running after him, and he's going to get him. And I want to to read this one verse before I talk about the next moment. The next moment we want to get to with Jacob is when he wrestles with God. He sees this ladder leading up to heaven, and then he wrestles with God. But on the way there, he's leaving with all of his family, and Laban is coming after him. And just one verse, Genesis 31, 24, it says, Then God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream at night. Wow, who's this guy? He's getting God as a vision, a dream at night. And he says, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, good or bad. (laughs) So God goes to Laban and says, back off. Right? Now I'm thinking, happy are those who have the God of Jacob as their help. (laughs) That's awesome. God is taking care of Jacob. And he's, so he's, they, they make peace and he goes on his way and he's going back. Jacob is going back to where his brother lives. And he's not reconciled with his brother. He left under threat of murder. And he's going back there because God told him to. He's following God's plan. He's going there. He doesn't know what to expect. The first thing he hears when he sends out messengers to tell Esau he's coming is that Esau is on his way to meet him coming with 400 men. <laughs> wow, yeah. Let's just say that's not a potluck. That's a cavalry battalion. He's coming, and that's a threat. That's scary. And it's at that context where Jacob sends all of his people across the river, and he stays alone. And he wrestles with God. And that's in Genesis 32, starting in. Uh, verse 22, in verse 24 it says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. (laughs) This was a crisis in Jacob's life where he um, he was following God's plan, and he was afraid because there was a legitimate threat against himself and all his people. And in that moment, he is in a place where, you see, he wrestles with this person. And it, and it comes to light afterwards that he's wrestling with God. He's wrestling with them all night and nothing, it's like neither one of them could overpower the other. But Jacob would not let go. And the man says, let go of me. And he said, not until you bless me, which is fascinating. So I, I want to mention that in particular because there will come times in your life where, where God will ask of you, require of you something difficult, hard, threatening, scary. And you will wrestle with God. Are you kidding me, God? If I beat you in a wrestling match, can I get out of this? Well, here's my advice. Don't let go. Don't let go. That's how it ended. He wouldn't let go. Jacob wouldn't let go. Bless me, or I will not let you go. And so he changed his name. Thirty-two, verse twenty-eight. 
Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. You have wrestled with God and man, and you have overcome. Your name is Israel. You are the one who wrestles with God. Interesting. That is the name of God's chosen people for a long time, those who wrestle with God. It's us. We do too. We wrestle with God. But I want to point out his name change is important here because of the next story. And he says of that place, he called it Penuel, which means because I saw the face of God and yet my life was spared, he called it the place, the face of God. Now, what happened? That was at the moment Esau is coming with 400 people, 400 men, a cavalry battalion. But when he arrives and he sees Jacob, they reconcile with each other. There is a reconciliation. He has stepped out in faith in what God was doing. And God has watched over him and he brought, he brought peace between those two. Now, Jacob at this time has given Esau a lot of goods, herds and flocks and things like that. And Esau was like, I don't, I don't need those things. I'm fine. I have all the stuff. And Jacob was like, no, I'm asking you to do this for me. I need to do this. He is, he's making restitution. It's like a, it's, it's at the moment of peace with Esau and he wants to make restitution for what he's done in a context of this whole arc of this story when he left. When he left, he saw a ladder and he, he cheated Esau. And when he came back, he's making peace with Esau by making restitution with him. And that's important. And that peace, think about the ability to make peace. It's a hard thing. Happy. Happy are those who have the God of Jacob as their help. Jacob is benefiting from the help of God in all these steps. And I want to I finish this arc of this story of Jacob with this final story. And it is, uh, it's out of uh, Genesis 35. Um, and at the, at the end of Genesis 34, he's living in this place next to the city, and there is a severe conflict of cultures between these two people that resulted in, um, uh, it's described as a rape, an assault on one of Jacob's daughters by one of the princes of the city. And this, this young guy is, is madly in love with this girl and has behaved improperly toward her from a culture that saw that as normal. But he's, he's, he's in love and these two cultures are in conflict and they negotiate a peace a peace between them in that this other people have to come into the ethos of Jacob and his people. And all the men have to be circumcised. And the whole city says, okay, we'll do it. There's this peace, this thing that they're going to make out of this horrific event. And yet what happens is that all the men are suffering from the after effects of the circumcision and two of Jacob's sons kill them all and take all their stuff. It's like 
These guys are rotten. And they do this terrible thing. And the, and the Jacob is dumbfounded. You who brought trouble on me by making me odious. Obnoxious, I think it says. I always thought odious. Maybe it's <laughs> smelly. Obnoxious to the Canaanites and the Perizzites. The people living in this land. We are few in number. And if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. It's like you have ruined us all by what you've done. And God gives him a word. Gives Jacob a word. At this moment, again, another crisis in his life. And what does he say? He says, go to Bethel. Go to Bethel. Go to the place where you set up that Ebenezer. You set up your stone. So he does. And it says, it says in verse 5 of Genesis 35, it says, Then they set out, Jacob and all his people. And the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Happy are those who have the God of Jacob as their help. The danger he was in, God was intervening. And I think that for us, how many times I know in my life that the God of Jacob is working in the world where I'm not taking care of things that are a threat to me. And I'm grateful, happy. Happy are those who have the God of Jacob as their help. So he goes and he comes to Bethel where he built the altar. And God appeared to him again and blessed him. I'm looking at verse 10. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named it Israel. Now, I want to point that out because we talked about it when he wrestled with God. God changed his name to Israel. And now he's in this crisis caused by the culture class with the city he was near, his children. The world wants to destroy him. And he changes his name again. It's where you wrestle with God. It's where you set up your stone. This is where I will stand. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. Your nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. And the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give you this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up to him from the place where you talked with him. Now that that is like at the ladder. Not only like where he wrestled with God, but like at the ladder. God is bringing Jacob through his whole life. He's walking with him. He's watching out for him. He's guiding him. He's directing him. He's helping him. That's the God I want as my help. That's the God I want and my help. And what does Jacob do? He set up a pillar of stone. (laughs) He wanted to mark that place. This is the place where I know I can find God, where he will speak to me, where I can lift up my prayers to him, where whatever is going out in the world, I know this is the place that I can stand. This is the place where I can be certain and I can act out on that certainty. No, that God saved me for a reason. He called me to a purpose. That he has set me free from the bonds of slavery and that I can get out of Egypt. I don't have to be troubled by the bad ideas in the world. I can raise my Ebenezer. 
and here I can stand. He set up a pillar, a place where God talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. And he poured oil on it. All these sacrifices that he makes. Jacob called the place where he talked to him Bethel, the house of God. God has given us a pillar where we go to make our stand, to say, this is what I believe right here, right now, over and over again. Jacob came back to Bethel in a crisis. We need to always come back to Bethel in a crisis. And that is that place where we meet with God, where we trust him. As every day we live from that place, knowing that God will speak to us, watch over us and care for us, even in ways we don't see. Because he saved us for a reason. He called us to a purpose. He knows we're not in a trap. We've been set free. He knows we got no reason to live in slavery in Egypt because we have set up our pillar. We have poured out our oil on it. And this is where we're going to stand. So you've been saved for a reason, called to a purpose. The snare is broken. And now is the time to get out of Egypt. Not easy. Sacrifices will be will be made. And now is the time and the place where we raise our Ebenezer, where we make our stand. And that is why this morning, I am glad you're here. And I am glad to see you. Here ends the lesson. Please stand and we'll continue with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead, in the life of the world to come. Brothers and sisters, because of Jesus, we have access to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, let us bring our needs and the needs of the whole world before him. 
that those who preach the gospel will, like Amos, live holy and prophetic lives, challenging the rich, the complacent, and the self-centered to a life of self-sacrifice. Lord, in your mercy, that the church will be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory to the world. Lord, in your mercy, that the nations will be guided in justice and peace. Lord, in your mercy, that married couples who wish to conceive will be blessed with children. Lord, in your mercy, that our hearts and hands will always be open to assist in meeting the needs of the poor, the hungry, and the homeless. Lord, in your mercy, that we will trust in the living God to meet our needs and not in the uncertainty of riches. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy, God, all things have been created by you and for you. Hear our prayer and give us grace to see your image in all mankind. We ask, we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. Everybody, uh, a couple of announcements. Next week, we're going to have a big party here at church after church on Sunday uh, for the Feast of St. Michael's. And so I hope everyone here can spread the word around our church and friends, whatever. Come after church and fellowship with us. Uh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, I have to give you some information, though. Uh, BYOB. So bring your own beverage. I won't elaborate any further on that. B-Y-O-D, bring your own dessert. Just share if you can. <laughs> and then the third thing, on Saturday, this coming Saturday, between 9 and noon, we're going to be setting up tables, uh, hopefully a, a bounce house that weighs like 300 pounds, so if there's some guys that can be here, that would be great to help me. Um, and we're going to have Only the time. strong men need yeah. come. <laughs> yes. Let's see if uh, if you're coming there, there and you need wheels like you've got a stroller or you need some. We have a great we have a ramp back here. That's the prescribed one to twelve ratio goes right <laughs> down to the goes right down to the uh, to our fellowship hall. So Amen. just I, I'm trying to overcome reasons not to come. Come, come. and invite other people to come. Amen. And spread the word. Please. That's right. <laughs> and, Amen. Oh, uh, and bring a cornhole board if you have one, or a cornhole set. We're going to hopefully have a, uh, we're gonna have a competition. We did this at last year's men's retreat, and it was uh, extremely competitive. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, bring those if you have them so we can have kind of a, a bracket thing. Maybe we yes. can have a prize, too. I don't know. Um, second thing, men, the men's retreat's coming up in November. I've got about three weeks until I need to turn in all the names 
So please just, you don't have to give me your check now, but give over the next few weeks, give me your name. Get on the list to come to this. It's a great time. We're going back up to a place in the mountains that we've been before where God has really moved, um, and he's going to move again in our Amen. lives. That's right. Uh, so please sign up for that. Um, once again, if you're competitive, we're going to be throwing tomahawks, if you're any good at that, and that'll get you there. Sign up. But uh, just these are things going on in our church. Uh, I hope you get excited about them and Amen. spread the word. Amen. Excellent. Good word. Every Monday between 3.30 and 4.30, if you want to be here, 3.30 and 5, to help out with uh, the food ministry, you will be glad you did. Um, I mean, especially after today's readings. Yeah. Don't be haughty. Care for the poor. Monday, 3.30. Amen. Aloha. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Come on, baptized believers, to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, a death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. 
May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen and Doug, Tammy, Denisa, Daniel, Nicholas, Dave, Steve, Donna, Bob, Gail, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you, and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel, that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. God is not mad at you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen.